It's the Out360 podcast, and it is February, so we're going to take a quick tour of all uh, our elementaries. Now, we will be checking in with Jackson and Cortland Elementary sometime next month. But first, let's head on over to Brown Elementary School and talk to Mr. Tony Hack. Hey, Tony. Hey, good morning, Troy. Thanks for having us on. Well, thanks for being here. Certainly appreciate it. So what are some of the exciting things happening at Brown? Well, besides the 100th day celebration this past week, 91 school days in person out of 100. Who would have thought that was possible? Yes. But we got a couple of good things happening around here at Brown Elementary. First and foremost, uh, we were able over Christmas break to finalize um, the installation of our inclusive playground piece that um, they've explained it, a play, a pour and play surface, which is a rubberized forgiving surface and several new pieces that are more interactive for students with disabilities. But by the looks of things out there at recess on the nice days we've had, it's been more interactive and exciting for every student. So we're super <laughs> excited about that. Oh, true. Now, hey, Tony, real fast. Like, I think days are gone when we were kids. We had like the merry-go-rounds and we had a thing called a Johnny where you'd hold on to it and swang around in a circle. Uh, like what kind of playground equipment are, do you guys have now as far as inclusive? Well, they have actually built in. They have a scavenger hunt. I, be, I haven't been able to get through all of it yet with one of the or with the kids, but they do things with uh, more ground level. And believe it or not, we have a version of a new merry-go-round. The kids actually sit backwards and they're kind of, their back is to the center and they're kind of, um, I don't want to say enclosed, but they have protective sides on them and then it spins around. It's a smaller version. It's not the wide open and run as fast as you can type of merry-go-round, but we've got one of those. There's a, there's a single occupant seat that does a spinning piece as well that's kind of neat. And then all kinds of new climbing things and um, apparatus that they can get up to the top and then take different routes to get to the slides and different things like that. So it's a pretty neat piece of structure, but you're right. It's a lot different than what we had when we were kids. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, that's great. I know a lot of work goes into that and a lot of planning and where to put it and how to lay it out. So congratulations on that, Mr. Crack. Now, let's jump aboard. Uh, again, I think you uh, were able to open up a new section of kindergarten. Is that correct? Yeah. Last Wednesday on December, or January 27th, um, we, we opened our fifth section of kindergarten at Brown Elementary. We are up to 121 kindergartners this year at our building and the school board and uh, Mr. Jurgens and Mr. Harp, the superintendent and central office were all instrumental, obviously, in looking at our class sizes and our student-to-teacher ratios. And once we kind of went over that 31 kids, five-year-olds in a class, we decided it was time to see if we can make a move. So we were able to do that this past Wednesday. Fantastic. Now, when is that hitting the ground running, Tony? Or is there, like, do you have to find a room yet? Or I know you have to hire, or have you already done all that? Well, fortunately, that's all taken place. We had a, a really lucky hire this past summer amidst the COVID world, we, we had a licensed school teacher who was looking for a job and she kind of specializes in early childhood. She's got a K through three license and she was working for us at Brown in our um, PBIS role and had taken a maternity leave for us at, during first semester in first grade. And we were so excited with the continuity and the relationship piece that she was able to go into that first grade classroom with we just thought it'd be an outstanding opportunity. And we sat down and met with her and two other candidates that we had interviewed um, based on some 
resumes that were turned in. And I'll tell you, we were super excited that we were able to land Macy Gray and we transferred her from a title position in that PBIS into our kindergarten classroom for the remainder of this year. So we got very fortunate. The kids love her. She's already reached out to most of the families to welcome them into her room. And it's been a really smooth transition. At Brown, we've done this several times over the last few years where we've had to hire somebody after the start of school, but this is as smooth as it's been in quite some time. Well, Tony, thanks to you and, and Mrs. Davis's leadership, and I'm sure you guys had stuff already laid out. Now, I guess I this is a silly question, but I presume there's enough room there at Brown for you guys to, to fit the other classroom in. Well, it's not a silly question because the room that we are using for that kindergarten room was our COVID stationary room uh, at the start of the school year. I went to our nursing department and talked to them and I said, we're going to have to probably pull this space if we go to this new section. And um, fortunately, knock on wood, we haven't had to really quarantine kids. Uh, all the school buildings have a secluded space, so to speak, so that if yeah. a kid does have symptoms and our nurses feel like that the student is at school and possibly has COVID while we're waiting on the families. We've kind of isolated those kids in the past. And right now Brown's in a pretty good position that we haven't had to do that. So my, my nurse gave me the go ahead and we, we gobbled that room up and mm -hmm. we're going to work probably, we'll probably end up utilizing my office while we're waiting on parents to come. And then the custodians will be able to come in and, and disinfect and clean my office and then we can get back to things. But it's just a temporary piece, but we did have to take that room back over. And as you know, we've got the three portables outside as, as we speak and space is kind of crowded, but we were fortunate that it was 2021 and, and we had to have a COVID room. So it, sure. it, it, we were lucky there. Now, Tony, what's the total enroll enrollment now at Brown? Do you know off the top of your head? Well, we do count day today, which is February 1st, and we have 676 students, I believe. Wow. It's a big group. We are five sections now in kindergarten, first grade, and second grade with third, fourth, and fifth all right at the 100 to 105 mark in four sections. Gosh. I know, Tony, back when I was at Brown uh, serving as a counselor there, we were had a lot of people. I think we were at maybe 450, you know, and yeah. that we were crowded even then. Now, that was before the, the classrooms. Uh, the, uh, right. The outside this, is my, this is my 10th year here. And when I started, we had one secretary, one principal, and we had about 455 kids. Yeah. <laughs> but we've grown quite a bit. And fortunately, the school board and, and central office have been able to help us with staffing in that in that regard as well. So, yeah, we're it, it's a different kind of a a time even even in the 10 years I've been here. Well, I know the 10 years ago when I first saw you, Mr. Hack, I don't think that beard was uh, white yet and there wasn't any green <laughs> in there. <laughs> well, maybe I just kept it short enough that the few blacks that were left kind of showed through. But, um, I, I have definitely aged if, if, if we look at my goatee and my beard and, the, and its color, you're right. <laughs> well, well, Mr. Hack, anything else you wanted to, to highlight about Brown before we get off here? I appreciate your time. I know you're pressed for time here. Hey, we really appreciate the publicity and the opportunity to share all the great things going on at Brown and this staff's working extremely hard to keep kids safe and to keep them educated. So I'd just like to say thank you to our teachers and, and our uh, instructional staff for all that they're doing. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate the leadership from central office and keeping these kids in school and, and giving us an opportunity to do what we do so well. Well, thank you for the time today, Mr. Track. Certainly appreciate it, sir. No problem, Troy. Take care.
And now we go from Mr. Tony Hack and Brown School. Let's take a walk on over to Emerson Elementary and talk to Mrs. Julie Kelly, the principal at Emerson. Hey, Julie, what's going on? Not much. Just got a lot of teaching going on. Oh, yeah. You guys are busy, busy, busy. And of course, we're all in the middle of the WIDA testing, too, at this yes. time. Yes. Yeah. We're getting hopefully going to have that wrapped up before long. But yeah, right in the middle of it. Yes, us too. And it's uh, we're having some difficulty getting some kids in sometimes, some of our virtual kids. That's a challenge. That quarantine stuff is, is a killer on it. Yeah. So, but anyway, so what's been happening at Emerson Elementary School? Well, I tell you what, thinking about COVID, we've had a lot of stuff we're not doing this year that we normally do. So we've just been doing a lot of, a lot of educating and a lot of teaching. And um, we've been getting our middle of the year data in. And I am just so proud of my students and my support staff and teaching staff, because it is reflective in how they're doing this year. And I'm real proud of them. When you say that, Julie, what does that mean? Is this, is this from uh, iReady or what data are you getting in? I'm looking at it from uh, the ready reading and the ready math, that uh, diagnostic that they just took, you know, when we mm -hmm. came back from Christmas break. Mm -hmm. Which there's a lot of good information in there and a lot of stuff. There is. That tells you, though, that through hard work, and dedication yes. from the kids and the, the parents and the, and the teachers, right. we can make progress even in difficult times. Exactly. Like one of the things I, I you look at a whole bunch of stuff and I was um, hoping that I'd have a ton of students that were on grade level. And that number doesn't look as good as I would like for it to look. But there's some other data that tells a whole different picture or a whole different story. Um 40% of my students in the building, K through five, have already met their annual growth goal. In wow. January, they're already well, where we thought we would like for them to be by the end of the year based on what where we got them at the beginning of the year. So I'm super excited about that. Over 60, I think it's, what was it? Yeah, 66% of my students are at the 40th percentile or higher, which is just really phenomenal considering um considering the COVID impact. And I also think like when you deal with younger children, the environmental learning that kids yeah. get just from words, when they get out in the community, they're out doing things. They haven't even had that. You know, my young kids have it. And for them to be 60% of my kids to be, or 66% to be at the 40th percentile, having missed all that just is so reflective of how focused the students and the, the staff has been on just teaching, on just learning. Yeah. We've not been, we don't, I mean, I, I miss the programming and I miss all, you know, people coming in and stuff. But I think one of the positive uh, results of that is having such a focus, um, time on task, if you want to use a school kind of word, on just good instruction. Well, and plus, I mean, I, I'm a big believer, Julie, that, that, Emerson Elementary is just, it's a, kids want to, I mean, all kids want to go to school. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. They really oh, right. do. But I think it's part of the environment that you've helped create that well, thank the, you. the kids want to strive and they want to do well. And well, I know you, they want to come, and when a kid wants to come to school, that's half the battle on learning. If they want to be here, it's so much easier to teach them. And, you know, you figure if you look back, really, they had three months of intermittent, I mean, just a complete change in their learning style. Right. Right. So to make those bounds, that's great. That's fantastic. I, I feel good about it. And then I, I think, you know, people are, you know, the public really hasn't talked a lot about the uh, impact yet of young children and what they learn from language and reading development just from mm -hmm. environmental print, going out to McDonald's, going to the store, reading grocery, you know, products at the store. Kids learn. I mean, 
Yes. Really, probably an unmeasurable amount of information from that. So we're talking about kids that have missed six months of that. And we saw that with kids coming into preschool, uh, just not knowing what kids normally know coming into preschool. And that would be information that they've gleaned from their parents or gleaned just from being out on the roads and reading road signs and menus. Yeah. And, and they haven't had that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm real happy with the progress the kids are making. Uh, but we've got we got a ways to go. But they are making they're making up uh, lost ground quickly and still with a smile on their face. So that's good. That is that is fantastic. Now I do yeah. worry from the counseling standpoint. I do worry about their social emotional needs. Yes, and, you know that's that's a that's the big thing about that uh, that I hope we can address in the in soon. I hope we all can get the vaccines going and we get all that taken care of as soon as possible. Right. Um, right. So what else has been going on at Emerson? Any any other exciting news? Well, it's pretty we've just been really super focused on that. I will say this year we have again, it's again, we're so focused on academics. I don't have any great exciting programming going on or anything like that. <laughs> right, but right. Um, this year we did get to with really good fidelity implement a new reading intervention. It's called the Sande system. It's been through our dyslexic program that Kate heads up for the district. And we've been able to implement that this year with our small groups with Fidelity, which is hard to do in a, nor in a normal year because, quote unquote, because uh, you have so many interruptions to stuff. Well, we've been able to stick to the schedule really well. And uh, the kids that have been getting that intervention, I'm seeing better results from that RTI program than anything we've done in the past. And it, I, I have the same teachers, the same. I think it's just that focused time on task, not being interrupted and being able to teach and so they've been getting a quality, you know, reading intervention program with trained people providing it and on a consistent basis. And those kids have made lots of progress. And I've seen kids that we've, I don't know if the right word is graduate, but made enough progress where they don't need the intervention anymore. And we've been able to rotate other kids in, which is what, you know, a true RTI model is, is right. kids move in and out. But so often it winds up that, and I think it's because you have so many interruptions or whatever, kids get into RTI and they're in there forever, you know? Right, right, so. right. Well, and I think also, I think you boil, when you say it's boiled down to the nuts and bolts, you know, we don't yes. have, not that there's any, I think there's a place for, for programs and, you know, yeah. special productions and get school get togethers. But now because we can't, we just kind of can focus on what's most important, not most important, but very right. important. Right. But, and that's where our time is spent is on instruction. We're not having to, we're not spending it on anything else except for teaching. And I think that that's having a big, positive impact on the learning. So, well, Julie, thank you for taking the time. I know it's been a schedule getting everything in with <laughs> meetings and everything, but yeah. just thank you for uh, giving us, giving us an update on Emerson elementary. Well, thanks, Troy. Have a good day. And our tour concludes here at Reading elementary school. This is Mr. Floyd. Hello, Mr. Floyd. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever time of day you're listening to this. Good to, good to see you, Mr. Hubbard. Thank you, Mr. Floyd. Mrs. Henry. Hi, Mr. Hubbard. How are you? Okay. And of course, Mr. Bush is with us. Mr. Hubbard and Owl 360 Nation. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be a guest. Thank you very much. What we're doing is we're just checking in to see what's going on at Reading, the excitement that's that's over there and what's going on. So we'll just jump right in. Mr. Bush, you want to tell us any exciting things happening? A couple of exciting things happening at Reading. Number one, a uh, big shout out to our school board and, and central office administration, Mrs. Albrand, Mr. Harp, Mr. Mrs. Ferguson, Mr. Nauman for knocking it out of the park and Mr. Stark, of course, in our uh, new 
adaptive playground. It is a fan favorite of all of our kids and they're just out there every day loving it when they can get out there, weather uh, permitting. It's just been a blessing to get all that new equipment in order and uh, all of our kids can access it whenever they're able to uh, make it out on that playground. So thanks to everyone involved and it. it's just been, it's been awesome. Mr. Hack talked a little bit about it, but we didn't go into detail. So what all is included? In, what What is an exclusive playground for those of our listeners who don't know? Okay, so I haven't had a chance to see what's going on at Brown yet. Uh, Redding and Jackson, we cut into our existing playgrounds, which were um, pretty, pretty solid state-of-the-art facilities to begin with. Uh, and we have added a surface there, uh, kind of a hard rubberized surface for any kind of, of wheelchairs or, or any kind of uh, accessibility features that that someone may need uh, where it's flat ground level and it's able f- for anyone to access and then a variety of equipment options uh, where that are wheelchair accessible that are equipment accessible and of course just fun amazing equipment for any kid to play on and to interact on together it, it's uh, it's just really cool to be out there and seeing it all in action well, now we'll have to get some pictures, some kids out there, and we'll have to post to our uh, our Facebook page and our social media when we get when we finally are. It's warm enough to have the kids out there and play. Yeah, I get dizzy watching them, but it sure is fun for them. But I, I certainly can't get on there anymore. I'm too old. <laughs> yeah, swings upset me anymore. Oh, I'm dizzy. Got to get off. So, all right. Thank you. Anything else, Mr. Bush, from from your viewpoint? Well, uh, Kindness Week is coming up, and I got to tell you, uh, we go all out for Kindness Week over here. So uh, the Mrs. Henry will tell you all about that. Lay it on us, Mrs. Henry. What is Kindness Week? All right. So next week at Reading Elementary, uh, Kindness Week is back. Um, It's really just a fun way uh, that we spread positivity and cheer here around Reading. Um, Of course, we always try to do that. We try to stay positive all the time and Um, We do our best to do that all year round, but this is just a a week where we just focus on um, small acts of kindness throughout the building. Um, No kind act too small. And we have um, daily kindness videos that we show to all the students. Um, I have a lesson in every classroom throughout the week. We have dress up days. Um, This year we're going to spread kindness and we're going to share little sticky notes uh, of kind acts throughout the building and make a display out of those. So we just um, do a lot to to rise up and just be kind to one another next week. That just sounds amazing. That just sounds so, like a, and a lot of fun too. And you know, I, think, I think we as human beings are inherently want to be kind. Sometimes we need to remember to relax, <laughs> you know, and yeah. think about others. So now, will the students like uh, fill out a slip of paper and, you know, you'll post it on the wall or, or how does it, how does that work? Yeah. Um, each staff member actually was given um, pads of yellow sticky notes and uh, any kind act that they see a student can um, grab those sticky notes or teachers and write down what it was. And then those students will come down um, to our bus lobby area and we have a big sunshine that they're going to fill up with those yellow uh, sticky notes to show that we're going to rise and shine and be kind. This oh, time I of year. love it. And we do need that sunshine. Definitely. Well, that's right. That's right cloudy days we've had. So how many students, Mr. Floyd, how many students are there at Reading School right now? Do you, can you give me uh, a ballpark? Yeah. As, as you say that, it's funny. We are continuing to experience uh, some amazing growth here at Reading. I don't know if I have a, an exact number like Mr. Bush would, but just uh, as you talk about numbers, our, our enrollment continues to climb to the point where we've uh, been fortunate enough to open up an additional section of kindergarten. We're now 
at five sections. We just finished up that transition this last week. Uh, Miss Chatatopi uh, was uh, so gracious to help us open that new section and, and work as we transition those kiddos. So uh, that is, those numbers continue to go up as the days go on, which is a great problem to have. So, um, Mr. Bush, do you have an exact number where we're at at this point? We are currently at 668 um, this morning, but that number could change uh, as we speak. Wow. You know, talking about Mrs. Topi, by the way, you guys, is that uh, she was at Brown, I think, taught kindergarten at Brown, veteran kindergarten teacher. Yes, and we uh, we consider her a, a Redding Hornet as well. We've used Mrs. Topi, and she's been a, a, a saving grace to us on numerous times. She's helped us open first grade classrooms, helped us open most recently that kindergarten room. Uh, has filled in numerous maternity leaves for us. So we consider her uh, a Redding Hornet at heart, even though she may have spent some years other places. We uh, we call her one of our own. Well, yeah, I, I, maybe at heart she's a brown bear. We'll have to sit down and have Mrs. Toby <laughs> on sometime. There you go. And get the get the truth of it. But So you guys update us on as far as the WIDA standardized test. You guys are just about complete with that, correct? Yeah, we, uh, we were able to get that going right as that um, – window open for the corporation and had some great progress going. We didn't let the snow or the inclement weather affect us or any of those things. And uh, we are rounding out, finishing that up. We're uh, just got some speaking portions left. And then we're just working with those kiddos that are currently our remote learners getting a, a time set up for them to come in to be able to get those things completed. So we are clicking it right along and not letting any of those things set us back uh, as we've been. And that's been a, a huge uh, tip of the cap to our EL staff. Um, as we've done that, Mrs. Beavers, Mrs. Hildreth, and Ms. Lassiter, they've done a great job in helping us work with uh, with those kiddos to get all those assessments wrapped up. Well, you know, really throughout the corporation and through the leadership of Mrs. Altemeyer, our ELL teachers have just done an outstanding job working very hard. Uh, for those of you who don't know, WIDA is a uh, language test for our, all of our language learners that uh, every every language learner in the corporation has to take. Is that a pretty succinct uh, analysis, Mr. Floyd? Yeah, and it's one of those where uh, talk about enrollment and numbers growing uh, as each year goes on. I think that's probably one of the programs we've seen the most growth in. Uh, so they uh, they continue to do great things and uh, and be able to adapt to our ever changing population and ensure uh, you know those different federal requirements being met. And also, so we can see you know just the growth those kiddos have uh, and the times that they're here with us in elementary. And uh, it, it's great just to see. Um, like I said, those that are acquiring language and developing that, it's amazing the progress they can make in a short amount of time. Right. Oh, yes. Yes, very much so. And growing up, these students will be bilingual if they're not already. Yeah, you're exactly right. Many of them are already bilingual. And uh, um, it's a skill that I wish that uh, I personally had just because I see the value of it even more today than what I ever have just with, like I said, yeah. our, our population, how diverse we're becoming here at Reading and other schools in the corporation. It's a uh, it's definitely a skill that uh, I, I'm regretting every day of my life. The four years of Spanish that I took in high school, I wish I would have paid a little <laughs> bit more attention to. Yeah, I took Latin. Quit us nomen tibi. Me nomen est Troy. That's about the extent of the Latin I remember. So, uh, well, you guys, I certainly appreciate your time. We're going to kind of wrap things up. Mrs. Henry, any closing comments or messages you would like to get out to our parents, staff, and students? Uh, just be kind to one another. That's it. Love and, it. Yep. Okay. All right, Mr. Floyd. Yeah, it's uh, it's only fitting, Mr. Hubbard, that uh, this happens to be National School Counseling Week. I'm sure, or maybe you were not aware of that, uh, but uh, we we uh, definitely appreciate the value that Mrs. Henry, our school counselor, has brought to this. And Kindness Week being one of the many times where she has the opportunity to shine, and 
and, and create you know great opportunities for our kiddos to participate uh, and enhance their learning environment here at Reading. And, and we're appreciative of everything she does. So uh, we got to give her a hard time. She gets a couple of, uh, of weeks where she gets recognized kindest week with it being National School Counselor Week. And then she also has a, a social worker week. So we, we keep telling her she can't <laughs> both weeks. She's got to pick and choose. <laughs> yeah, she is uh, worth every penny. Yeah, <laughs> Mrs. Henry, you are amazing. Sincerely. Oh, thank you. Now. I appreciate it. I Can appreciate I borrow $5 now? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, wholeheartedly thank Miss Henry is a very valuable asset. Mr. Bush, any closing remarks or any messages you'd like to send out? Hey, all I got is to keep your stingers up out there, everybody, and uh, go Owls. And let's say stay safe, mask up if you're moving. There you go. All right, you guys, thanks for joining us. And as we leave Reading, let's head on over to the high school where there's some big, exciting things happening for those eighth graders getting ready to become freshmen. Wanted to note that this podcast was recorded before our recent batch of snow days here at uh, Seymour Community Schools and in the Seymour-Jackson County area. So uh, the dates have been changed for the freshman orientation. They are now Wednesday, February the 24th and Thursday, February the 25th. Thank you. And now on with the show. Now we're talking to Mr. Randy Fife from Seymour High School. Randy is a director of guidance there, and we're getting ready for a big event in a eighth grader's life, moving up to the high school. So, Randy, let's jump right in and tell us about what's going on and, and what our parents of our eighth graders can expect in the in the coming weeks. Well, Troy, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently this year due to COVID and not uh, having being able to have the big group meetings and have those in-person explanations uh, with parents. So we're putting together some materials. Those will go to all eighth graders in the community, uh, including Seymour Community Schools and our parochial schools. So they're going to get a hard copy in the mail. And then we want to make sure everyone gets this. So we are going to email it through Harmony, our student information system, to our middle school students. And then we're also posting all this material on our high school website under the eighth grade tab. Okay. Now on this packet that's being mailed out, uh, Mr. Fife, you'll have a list of, of classes. There's what's called electives for parents who haven't had a high school student before. There are prerequisites and those are classes that stu all students take. Uh, so could you fill us in a little bit on that, Mr. Fife? Yep. Uh, there'll be a, uh, an explanation letter along with a worksheet and a list of courses for students and parents to look at. Now the scheduling worksheet, uh, it'll have eight blanks each semester to, to, that need filled in, but every student's going to need to take English, math, and science, so we're going to uh, have those in already for students, and I'll explain a little bit more about how we choose those in just a little bit. And then we've also got one spot filled with geography, which is required for a core 40 diploma, and then physical education in a study hall. That's going to leave at least two places for students and parents to choose electives. So on the back of that worksheet would be all the electives. Those could be things like a world language, French, Latin, or Spanish. It could be um, elective PE class, like a weight training. We've got a variety of CTE, that's career tech ed uh, courses, that will lead to graduation pathways, which for the class of 2025, current eighth graders, is a brand new set of graduation uh, requirements. Uh, it mixes some of the old requirements in, but it also uh, has new pathways for current eighth graders to meet in order to earn a diploma. And some of those would be like engineering, manufacturing, construction, 
agriculture, hospitality, early childhood ed, and business. So those are some of the electives that students and parents can look at. In addition, we have fine arts electives. And so what we're asking students and parents to do is to complete that worksheet and then counselors will come down to the eighth grade schools and we will help look at those, we'll help answer questions and we will collect those. And then we'll come back and get those put in our student information system. And then once that's completed, hopefully by spring break, we'll be able to push out uh, those course requests to students and parents so they can make sure that we didn't make any mistakes with that. Yeah, I know there's a lot involved. And I know that uh, your team there, uh, Ms. Story, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Harmon, um, and everybody involved in student services uh, do an outstanding job as far as getting this ready. And I know as a, a parent of a used to be an eighth grader going to freshman, it's nerve wracking. You wonder, am I doing the right thing? Am I putting them on the right path? Um, so, I mean, there's a lot to it, but also we want parents to just relax. We've got we've got time to figure this out, what's going to be best for your child. That's correct, isn't it, Mr. Five? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and one thing we do is we make sure that when we schedule an incoming freshman that uh, with English, math, and science that we choose, all those students will still qualify for any diploma, whether it's going to be an academic honors, a technical honors, a core 40. Uh, so we're not going to, you know, put anyone in a class the freshman year that would keep them off of a certain diploma. Now, we do have some uh, accelerated, or we're actually going to call those honors courses next year instead of accelerated, that some students will be put into. And what we've done is we've had our um, high school teachers working with the middle school teachers to kind of help uh, coordinate, you know, what the expectations are for an honors student in English, math, or science. Uh, and we're, we're uh, relying on the middle school teachers who know those students a little bit better than we do to help make recommendations for those students who might want to try an honors course. So that's like I said earlier, we're going to go ahead and get the English, math, and science put on through those recommendations. Students and parents will be able to see those once we publish our course request through the Harmony software. Yeah, and I think it's it's really important to, to parents don't don't work don't get worked up if 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 you don't understand everything yet. We're gonna have plenty of chances to explain things to students and plenty of chances for students to to look at their schedule and and figure out what's gonna be best for them. Now I wanted to touch base real fast, Mr. Fife, on as far as an orientation. In the past, we've done an orientation where we brought students into the middle to the high school. We are not doing that yet this year, correct? Well, we're not doing that for this academic year. Our hope is that we would still have a freshman orientation in August. Okay. Uh, but a lot of that does depend on how, uh, how our county is with COVID and, and what kind of uh, measures we've got in place. So that's something that's going to be decided a little bit later. And I've had a lot of students ask me and parents ask me, Mr. Fife, about taking a foreign language their freshman year. Is that recommended, not recommended, or is it a case-by-case -case basis? I think it's it's kind of up to the student if they have an interest in a foreign language. Uh, I think if if you're if you're a C student or above and, and you're not struggling in your in your courses and you're willing to do a little extra work, I think taking a world language as a freshman is a is a fine idea. Uh, it's not required to graduate with any of the diplomas except the honors diploma. 
So if you're if you're a student who wants to get on that honors diploma track, for sure, I would recommend choosing a world language in grade nine. Um, if you're not an honors diploma, uh, but you have plans to go to college, there are some colleges in Indiana and universities in Indiana that do require two years of a language. Both IU and Purdue, while they don't require an honors diploma, they do require two years of world language. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, for parents, if you're interested that students, if you're interested in doing that, uh, just feel free to reach out to me and, and we'll, I will get you the right person if I don't have the right answer here at Seymour Middle School. Um, anything else we need to touch on, Mr. Fife, as far as freshmen and, and our eighth graders becoming freshmen? Uh, we are always excited to welcome a new class and uh, the class of 25 is no different. So we're looking forward to, to meeting those students. And um, again, we'd like to have an orientation uh, next fall. Uh, usually it happens the week before school. That lets the kids get in the building. It lets them find their classrooms and their locker ahead of times and goes a long way to easing some of that anxiety that they may have. Uh, I do want to mention summer school. We do have a tentative plan uh, to offer summer school, and we're only going to offer one class for incoming freshmen. It is the uh, prep for college and careers class. Uh, we think summer school is a good idea simply because it does get students into our building. Um, it lets them become familiar with us. It lets them get introduced to some of the adults in the building. The, the college and career class will have a lot of guest speakers who will be in front of the kids so they can in introduce themselves to the students. The students will tour the building. They'll look at, uh, you know, the machining lab, the manufacturing lab. Uh, they'll take a trip to the new ag science building as well. So they're going to get to walk through Seymour High School and see all that we have to offer. So while summer school is not required, it is an option um, if students and parents want to get that head start and could earn another credit uh, prior to coming to the high school. Summer school will be two weeks, June 7 to June 18, 8 to 12 daily. And then students and parents will have another option to take summer school June 21st to July 2nd, 8 to 12 daily. So students could choose either of those. And that sheet is in the mailing as well. So in that, that summer school sheet, there'll be a form if they would like, the, if the parents would like to sign up their students for it. Yep, there's a, a form there with the dates and everything. We ask the students and parents to just put their name on it, and counselors will collect that uh, when we come to the school. We're going to meet with all eighth graders that are here. Our virtual students and our virtual uh, students' parents uh, will provide all that information. Hopefully, we'll be able to record uh, the uh, session that we have with the students, and that way we'll have that up, and students and, students and parents can watch that at their yep. convenience. Yep, perfect. And we're always available. Uh, our the high school counselor's email uh, addresses are on the letter that uh, should be going out. Well, Mr. Five, thank you. Uh, and I thank you for your patience and I thank you for your work for all of us and all of uh, our parents and our students. It's a nervous time for eighth graders going into freshman year, but you help uh, ease that nervousness quite a bit. So thank you so much. Yep. Appreciate uh, you, Mr. Hubbard, on getting the word out through the podcast. All right, Randy. Thank you. That was great. And that does it for our tour of our elementary schools and our discussion with Mr. Randy Fife about the incoming freshman orientation. Exciting time for all of our students. A lot of cool stuff going on. This is Troy Hubbard reminding you to soar to excellence, everyone, every day. Be safe, be cool, and 
Peace and love.